Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week, we'll be joined by a guest from the industry to discuss the week in news and the most pressing industry issues. I'm David Thorpe, reporter at FT Advisor and financial advisor. Joining me today is John Stopford, co-head of Multi-Asset and Investec Asset Management UK. As a multi-asset investor, John looks across a wide range of asset classes, including bonds and equities, and can look all around the world for ideas. Welcome, John, and thank you for joining me. Thanks very much, David. Uh, John, uh, bond yields have come down quite starkly in recent weeks. Indeed, we had the famous inverted yield curve happen recently. Um, is this uh, switch to a more risk-off environment justified by the underlying economic and market data, in your view? Well, I, I think it's quite stark, um, the messages that we're seeming to be getting from equity markets uh, and and sort of growth-orientated assets in, in particular, um, and by contrast, the message that the bond market appears to be sending. So, as you pointed out, the yield curve inverted in the US, and traditionally that um, has been a very consistent predictor of a recession about 18 months, one year to 18 months uh, out. By contrast, equity markets uh, have been rallying pretty strongly, so we're not far off previous highs in, in the US. Um, credit spreads have come in, uh, emerging markets generally doing well, and so on. So it, 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 you're, to some extent, there are conflicting messages coming from different parts of, of the financial markets. Tumbling bond yields are often taken as a sign that inflation will be muted, yet wage growth has started to come through to some extent in the UK and the US. Do you think advisors should be preparing portfolios for a pickup in inflation? It's a very good question. I, I think in the short term or the near term, there is very little evidence of, of inflation. If anything, um, the sort of disinflationary forces have gained some ground uh, recently. So things like commodity prices have been relatively weak. Uh, inflation data generally has been has been soft. You know, the Fed have been um, concerned, I think, that you'll get some late cycle inflation pressures. But now with growth so, s- slowing, uh, as we've seen in recent months, um, you know that fear has faded to the background, and they're more concerned about propping growth up uh, and and keeping the show e- economic show on the road. So, certainly, most of the data we look at suggests that uh, inflation is pretty much stuck, and in some cases, you know, core Europe, for example, um, pretty weak. So it doesn't look like an immediate risk. Clearly, if central banks uh, and policymakers pursue aggressively reflationary policies, particularly given how late it is in the cycle, and as you say, given maybe some signs of wage pressures coming through, then maybe it's more of a concern. Despite those longer-term trends that point to disinflation, and we can also add in debt levels and ageing populations, populism is a rising political trend in the UK, the US and Europe. Populism uh, is often seen as inflationary. Do you think this has the potential to alter the outlook? Well, yeah, I think populism is 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 quite a scary phenomenon, and, and, and it's I think interesting to see um, how much populism has sort of gained ground, even when actually the global economy has been doing relatively well. So we've been in a period generally of expanding growth, falling unemployment rates uh, around the world in recent years, and and populism has been on the march, and we've seen it in the UK in Brexit, we've seen it in France, we've seen it in in the US, and so on. Uh, and if things are like that when times are relatively good, the concern for me is what's it going to be like when things are bad and when central banks and policymakers potentially have, have less ammunition to, to fight an economic slowdown or, or, or whatever. So, uh, I mean, clearly, you know, we, we have 
economies saddled with fairly high debt levels, government and corporate debt, um, and inflation is is a solution, or, or at least one way in which those debt levels uh, could be could be addressed. Default is possibly another. Growth would be the the ideal, but that looks um, difficult. So perhaps we'll go down even more uh, unconventional policy routes than we've been in the last few years, and and inflation in those circumstances might be a real possibility. Emerging market assets tend to do uh, tend to perform quite badly when. The U.S. Uh, dollar is is strong, and when U.S. interest rates are rising, but we've had, I suppose, hints or or announcements from the U.S. Federal Reserve in the past uh, month or so that U.S. rates may not go up this year. In that context, but but alongside slower global growth, what do you think is the outlook for emerging market economies and markets? So I, I think in the near term we're we're probably glass half full rather than glass half empty. I think glass half empty might might be yet to come. Uh, later this year. So there are encouraging signs out of China, particularly PMIs, uh, credit growth, suggesting that maybe the slowdown there is beginning to to bottom out and we may get something of a pickup. And, and that's been a strong leading indicator for European growth as well. Uh, and generally, central banks stepping back, um, fiscal uh, expansion in, in China, um, perhaps better news on trade. I think there are a lot of things that... Um, could give some cause for optimism in the in the near term. Clearly, markets have moved already to some extent to reflect that. Um, but it does seem quite likely that uh, if we get some convergence in growth between the US and the rest of the world, which which may happen now, um, if the Fed remain on hold or even um, you know talk a fairly dovish um, story, then and the dollar is is softer then that's a pretty good environment, at least for a while, I think, for emerging markets. That leads us to the US market itself. Um, the story for, for quite some time was the US was, was growing quite fast as an economy, but the stock market was also going up quite a lot more than anywhere else. And investors really had to choose between uh, paying, paying the high valuation for some degree of certainty or looking elsewhere for a lower valuation. Given the changed uh, interest rate outlook that we've uh, discussed and maybe some slightly less good US data, how are you approaching that market right now? Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, we tend to be bottom-up investors, so we're looking to build even a multi-asset portfolio primarily from selecting securities with particular characteristics. So we're looking for um, yielding securities, but with um, a, a, a um, with cash flow generation supporting um, that income that's relatively resilient and, and obviously looking for things that look attractively valued and, and so on. So we're still finding opportunities in the US, but I think you know, the, the stark outperformance of the US stock market and US assets looks to uh, be fading. I think the sort of you know, US exceptionalism, i.e. Um, much stronger growth last year than many parts of the world, um, easier policy um, in terms of fiscal policy and so on, all of that I think is a, a thing of the past. And it looks to us as though um, equity margins are, are pretty stretched and, and potentially have peaked. Debt levels are quite high in the corporate sector. Um, growth looks to be converging, so the U.S. potentially slowing, the rest of the world stabilising. Um, and generally, we think that's an environment that's going to cause some uh, um, relative underperformance, potentially, of U.S. assets. But people have been calling for that for a while and, and, and so far have been disappointed. The U.K. economy is giving very mixed signals right now with unemployment at near record lows and business investment is anemic, GDP growth is not, not particularly spectacular. Do you think there is scope for UK assets 
to grow at a significantly faster pace whenever Brexit is resolved and almost in whatever way it is resolved? I, I think there's definitely um, been a cost to the economy in terms of investment uh, and in terms of a sort of animal spirits um, linked to the uncertainty around Brexit. Um, and anything that resolves that, I think, is likely to have result in some sort of, of growth dividend. I think hard Brexit initially would be a shock uh, and um, potentially any sort of growth dividend would be th- further down the line. Um, I, I think one of the concerns clearly the Bank of England have is that the... Um, um, supply side, the capacity of the UK economy to grow ha- has been damaged by this process and, and uh, where we're heading. And so, you know, it's not maybe so surprising that growth is weak, but unemployment is low. If you've got limited uh, capacity to grow, that that's that's the uh, the out- outcome. So we're, we're concerned about that, I think. Thank you. Yeah, that was something that uh, Andy Haldane at the Bank of England pointed out when he was sort of justifying, in inverted commas, why the... Uh, Bank of England, or why many economists were perceived to have been wrong uh, about uh, Brexit and about what would happen after the referendum, was he was talking about the supply side, the the potential growth rate if the economy goes down, but that's not noticed in GDP figures immediately, right? That's correct. Yeah. So so that that that's exactly it. And and you can sort of think about it in very simple terms. If you're closing your labour market to um, a lot of foreign workers, you're lim- limited to the supply of UK workers. And so it's harder to find the, the, the people with the skills you need. And so, you know, you, you that that's not very good for, for growth and productivity, it's, but it's, it's great for the unemployment rate. It keeps, um, it means most people find a job, even if they're not very uh, qualified or very able or very willing. Thank you, John. That's great. And uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for listening and join us at the same time next week for another FT Advisor podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.